what I want to say is just keep going and keep growing. And I was led to Luke 17, and, and I know we're, we're, we're short on time, so I'm going to do this as quickly as I can. But uh, I actually want to read Luke 17, and um, <clears throat> so we will uh, go through it. And there are just six really highlight quick points that I want to make that I think I'd like everybody to be able to take away. So Luke 17 says, Jesus said to his disciples, things that cause people to stumble are bound to come. But woe to anyone through whom they come. It would be better for them to be thrown into the sea with a millstone tied around their neck than to cause one of these little ones to stumble. So watch yourselves. If your brother or sister sins against you, rebuke them. And if they repent, forgive them. Even if they sin against you seven times in a day and seven times come back to you saying, I repent, you must forgive them. The apostle said to the Lord, increase our faith. He replied, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea and it will obey you. Suppose one of you has a servant plowing or looking after the sheep. Will he say to the servant when he comes in from the field, come along now and sit down to eat? Won't he rather say, prepare my supper, get yourself ready and wait on me while I eat and drink. After that, you may eat and drink. Will he thank the servant because he did what he was told to do? So you also, when you have done everything you were told to do, should say, we are unworthy servants, we have only done our duty. Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, Go show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, rise and go, your faith has made you well. Once on being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, Jesus replied, the coming of the kingdom of God is not something that can be observed, nor will people say, here it is, or there it is, because the kingdom of God is in your midst. Then he said to his disciples, the time is coming when you will long to see one of the days of the Son of Man, but you will not see it. People will tell you, there he is, or here he is. Do not go running off after them. For the Son of Man in his day will be like the lightning which flashes and lights up the sky from one end to the other. But first he must suffer many things and be rejected by this generation. Just as it was in the days of Noah, so also it will be in the days of the Son of Man. People were eating, drinking, marrying, and being given up in marriage uh, uh, up to the day Noah entered the ark. Then the flood came and destroyed them all. It was the same in the days of Lot. People were eating and drinking, buying and selling, planting and building. But the day Lot left Sodom, fire and sulfur 
uh, rained down from heaven and destroyed them all. It will be like this on the day the Son of Man is revealed. On that day, no one who is on the housetop with possessions inside should go down and get them. Likewise, no one in the field should go back to anything. Remember Lot's wife? Whoever tries to keep her life will lose it, and whoever loses their life will preserve it. I tell you, on that night, two people will be in one bed. One will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding corn together. One will be taken and the other left. You know, Jesus is talking to his disciples about things that he wants them to grasp in order to grow for themselves, yes, and, for, and, and what kingdom growth looks like in you individually. And, and Jesus loves to see people saved. He loves to bless. It's why he came, was to save us. And we sing about his glory and, and we, we give him adoration and, and we praise him and, and we glorify him and we should because of everything he's done for us. But that should elicit a response in us, shouldn't it? And that response is to grow until he comes again. So I just want to go quickly back over this and just highlight six things. So these stories all seem sort of uh, like a collection of stories, but I really feel that there's a, a kind of a thread that goes through them that highlights six things that we can take away in order to continue and to grow. Okay? It comes off the back of Jesus telling his disciples the story about Lazarus and the rich man and how um, Lazarus goes to heaven and the rich man goes to hell. And it's a story about eternity. And one of the key things that's really important about that story is the statement that nobody can pass from here to here and nobody from here to here. Eternity is kind of a done deal. So get it right now. And to that point, he starts in, in verse uh, 17, chapters 1 and 2. Um, the, the, have you got the slides? Um, and the next one. Uh, he tells them to act wisely. Have you noticed, he says, it is impossible that no offenses should come. Did you get that? It's impossible that no offenses should come. If you're expecting a perfect Christian life where everything is perfect, um, Jesus tells his disciples, uh, that's not going to happen. Things that cause people to stumble are bound to come. But don't let it be you. Jesus is talking to his disciples and he's saying, don't let it be you. Offenses are going to come, but don't let it be you. Don't you be the stumbling block. Does that make sense? I've been a stumbling block. How many of you have been a stumbling block? Don't be the stumbling block. You know, they can take the bait, but don't provide the hook. 
Act wisely. Next one. In 3 and 4, he then says, love openly. So offenses are going to come, but not from you, right? Which means if they're not coming from you, guess where they're coming from? Other people. They're going to come, but not from you. And if they're not from you, they're from someone else. So the next thing he tells them to do is how to respond to the people from who the offenses come from, doesn't he? And he says, you know what? If you are the one being offended, you need to be able to have a a, a confidence to say, no, stop that. But I think what we have a habit of doing, what I have a habit of doing, is when offenses come my way, I want to repay like for like. You know, I want to, I, I, I want to defend myself, and 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 and, and so it's, it's a little bit like for me, it's a little bit like nuclear war scenarios. It's okay, you hit me with a hand grenade, I'm going to fire a missile at you. You fire a tank at me, I'm going to get the nuclear weapons out. Uh, and I tend to go to nuclear weapons like pretty much straight away because that's like a done deal, isn't it? Why go through the pain? Just obliteration. But that's not what we're taught to do. He says, if your brother or sister, no, brother or sister, this is to the church. Don't be a stumbling block in the church to one another. But if somebody within the church is being a stumbling block or, or offensive to you, how are you to respond? Well, rebuke them. And if they repent, and I think we miss that. We, we get the rebuke bit. I can do that. But we miss the next bit that says, forgive them. Even if they sin against you seven times in a day and seven times come back to you saying, I repent. You must forgive them. Don't be the cause of offense. And when somebody is offensive, be forgiving. And forgiving. And forgiving. And forgiving. And forgiving. Go read Galatians 6.1. You know, if, if, if you see your brother sinning, you who are spiritual, restore such a one with a What? A thick stick, a spirit of gentleness. I need to grow in this area. So love openly. Next one. Trust faithfully. So the disciples come to Jesus and he said, look, don't be an offense to anybody. (laughs) It's the disciples. How many times did they have a go at each other? Um, forgive one another. How many times were they bitter about each other? He tells them that this is how they're supposed to act, and they come to him with the statement, um, increase our faith. We need faith. And Jesus talks about the mustard seed, and you'll have heard many sermons uh, on this. Uh, Mustard seed, not very big, very small, but grows into a big bush. And, and Jesus says, look, if you've just got faith as a mustard seed, you can, you can say this and this will happen. But I think what's important to take out of this is not how much faith you think you may have, but who is that faith in? There are times when my faith seems so small. 
but I know who it's in. There are times when, and funnily enough, it moves on to the next point, but there were times when I think my faith is so large that I actually don't need Jesus. How stupid is that? It doesn't matter where you think your faith is. What matters is where your faith is. Who is your faith in? Trust him faithfully. Next one is, uh, sorry, yeah, move on. Serve humbly in, in 7 through 10. And, and um, <clears throat> I like this passage. I don't know why. I, I believe that one of the callings of my life when I got saved was to serve just to serve. I've been asked in my job and, and, and in, in ministry, if you were to describe your, what you do, what would it be? Now, officially, I'm a configurations manager for a software house. Um, but I remember the very first time the investors all gathered around and, and we, they were being introduced to the staff and they went around and said, like, who are you? Oh, I'm, I'm Phil, I'm the CEO. Who are you? I'm Richard, I'm the operations manager. I do special op, I'm a lead developer. And they got to me, and there's no word of a lie. He said, and you are? And I said, I'm Mike, I'm polyfiller. <laughs> it's true. And he sort of looked at me and like, are you being serious? And, and I do, I believe that. I look for where the cracks are, and I want to fill it. I look for where the gaps are, and I want to fill it. And I don't do it because I want glory. You don't, you know, nobody goes up and goes, wow, that's an amazing bit of polyfiller. But, you know, sometimes we can get caught up in this idea that what we do determines who we are. What we do determines how much praise we should get. What we do determines how much money we should get. What we do determines our position. It doesn't. It's the heart with which we do it that defines, I think, who we are. You can be at the top of the tree or at the bottom of the tree. The question is, are you at the tree with a heart that wants to serve. And let's face it, there is nothing you can do, ministerially or non-ministerially, secularly, in church, outside of church, there is nothing you can do that outdoes the work that Jesus did on the cross for you. Nothing. And if your expectation is look at how much I'm doing, then it's the wrong heart to do it with. Isn't it? We're called to serve humbly. It is a response to what Jesus has done for us that should drive us to do all we can for him. Uh, So serve humbly. Next one. Seek healing faithfully and worship uh, extravagantly. You know, I love the story with the ten lepers because if you look at it, uh, it it makes a point, doesn't it, that says the tenth one came back and he was a Samaritan. Jesus is walking between Galilee and Samaria, so he's he's uh, he's on the border, and there's these ten of them. They're ten lepers together. I bet there were some Jews, some Samaritans, maybe lepers from other places. And you know what? 
uh, it's a real picture of, of how it doesn't matter who you are, where you are. Sin is sin, and, and quite frankly, you're all pretty much in the same basket. You know, aren't we? You, you don't get like the Jews were really good sinners and the Samaritans were really bad sinners. They were just sinners. So you've got this collection of lepers and they, and, and they come to Jesus. And what I like about this is um, it says seek healing faithfully. They sought him out, him, so that they might be healed. Did Jesus heal them? In this story, I'm going to just going to throw it out there because I, I like being controversial. Hand grenade. Did Jesus heal them? No, he didn't. Where does it say that? Why did they go on their way? Sorry, I like engaging with people. Why did they go on their way? On his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border. He was going into a village. When he saw them, what did Jesus say? Go show yourself to the priest. Think about this. They're lepers. Who can't they go to? Where can't they go? They can't go into church. They can't go into the, the, the places of worship. In fact, they have to tell everybody they're coming so everybody can get out of the way and they go, unclean, unclean. Everybody moves out the way. They can't go anywhere. But he says, go show yourself to the priest. As they went, they were cleansed. Where I think their healing came from. So clearly, God is at work. But where I think their, their healing came from was a willingness to hear and obey. It took an act of faith to obey the command, go show yourself to the priest. What I do love is on the return journey, one of them comes back. And do you know what? Why only one? Jesus makes a statement, doesn't he? He says, were not, Ten of you healed? They all went. They all got healed. And Jesus is concerned about the nine who were healed but did not come back to give God the glory. I just want to throw this in as a challenge. How much glory do you give God for the work he does in your life? Just a challenge. God has done incredible things over the course of the year, ministerially. But, you know, in my own life, personally, God has done some amazing things. They look normal to the people around me. I don't know why. It, it, it really is amazing. But he does things, and I, I, I have to actually remind myself, you know what? God deserves the glory for this. God deserves the glory. So seek healing faithfully, but worship extravagantly and then the next one live expectantly you know we have this whole dialogue about the the coming of the kingdom 
and, the, and there are a couple of things that I just want to kind of pull out of this. Um, only a few. Um, he's being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come. Jesus replied, the coming of the kingdom of God is not something that can be observed, nor will people say, here it is or there it is, because the kingdom of God is in your midst. There have been people over the centuries and, and I, t- I should have written these down because the, the, you'll know some of these names who have claimed to be the Messiah. There are people who have come and said, he's over here or he's over there. In fact, in 1960 or something, I think there was a Jewish rabbi that, that Orthodox Jews were convinced was the Messiah. And yet Jesus says, when you hear people claiming that, you hear people saying that, don't go. You'll know. First, the kingdom is already in your midst. Where does it live? It lives in us, doesn't it? We are to be the kingdom of God. We represent the kingdom of God. We are ambassadors of the kingdom of God, are we not? We are royal priesthoods of the kingdom of God, are we not? But, you know, when, the, when, when Jesus comes again, uh, you won't need to guess. You'll know. It says, like lightning across the sky. You, you've been around for the storms this last week. I was in the middle of one. <sighs> it's called taking up your cross and following the Lord. I, I do actually, I need to repent and I need to ask your forgiveness. I do, seriously, because I have said on several occasions to several people that I felt I was deceived <laughs> to go to Creation Fest because I, I saw Pete at conference and, and I said, we're thinking of getting some people down for, from Freedom Church, and he said, that would be awesome. But I need to find out where I'm going to stay. Maybe I can stay with some, you know, to, maybe I can stay with the, the Williamsons. I'm sure they would have given us a place, or, or maybe Ali, or so, so anybody. Let me have somewhere to stay. And Pete said to me, what were your words? Shall I paraphrase? Okay. I'm putting myself on the line here. He said something along the lines of, Mike. What, you, you're seriously telling me you're thinking of coming down with, with like a dozen people from Freedom Church. You're going to invite them down to Creation Fest. Awesome, great. But there's going to be all these people. You're going to introduce them to the wider church family and you're not going to stay on site? <laughs> to which I genuinely said, <sighs> doesn't conviction just hurt? So I, 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 I bit the bullet. I bought a tent. I booked my time on the site. I did. Paid for it. If I'm paying for it, I'm going. Over the course of the next month, it went from 12 people down to about half a dozen. Then Jason and Sarah decide they want to move house. So they can't come. John and Becky, obviously, they, they have issues uh, with things that are going off over Freedom Church and Becky's father and, and things, so they're not coming. Chris and Janice, they decide they're not coming. Joe says, I'd love to come with you. 
I'll drive, you, I'll drive you down and I'll drive you back. And then he says the week beforehand, I can't go. So of the dozen people I was convicted about, how many people from Freedom Church turned up, Pete? One. That was Wednesday. I have since sold my tent. In fact, I sold it as soon as I cleared it out. Anyway, how did I get onto that? I have no idea. Lightning across the sky. Everybody sees it. Everybody saw it. You're not going to miss it. And you know, I think it's going to be a worldwide event. And do you know why I think it's going to be a worldwide event? Because Jesus says here, there will be two people in a bed and one will go. There will be two women grinding and one will go. So it seems to me that that there are two people working somewhere in the world, two people sleeping on the other side of the world, and they're all going to get hit at the same time. You are not missing the event. When is it going to happen? And if somebody says next Tuesday, I'm really annoyed. When's it going to happen? So it could happen today. Then live expectantly. Does that make sense? So just a seriously quick recap. Act wisely as you continue for the time you have here. Act wisely. Love openly. Oh, go on. I thought you were going to just... You were expecting me to remember them, aren't you? You guys, trust faithfully, serve humbly, seek healing faithfully, and worship extravagantly, and live expectantly. Amen? I'll hand back.